little bit to, to where we were um, last time. We were discussing the story of Akabe ben Mahalel. Uh, I put forth the theory that Akabe ben Mahalel is put in Kherim not because of anything arising out of the fourth story of his, of his disputes, the question of whether you, could, you can give a giorit uh, soto water to drink, but rather because of the fact that he held to his four things, even though they, even though they told him, you know, recant, recant and we'll make you out beitin. I suggested that it might be that the reason he didn't recant was Dafka because they said we'll make you Avetim, which is what led him to suspect, uh, right, to say that he would be seen as acting uh, for the sake of power as opposed to for integrity if he gave in. But the interesting thing, which we didn't talk about last time, is at the end, um, as he's dying, he tells his son, Chazor Becha Merbad Varim Shayuti Omer. So, right, you should recant the four things, uh, the, four, the four things I said. Now, one of the things dealing with with with, uh, with Gemara is that if we're giving a halacha shir, so we say, oh look, right. So here we have an epistemology. Right? We're on we're on uh, page three, uh, towards the very toward, uh, towards the towards the very bottom. Right? So he, right. So his son asks him, well, why didn't you change your mind? And he says, well, I heard from the from the from the, the Merubin, and, and they heard from the Merubin, so I stood by my word. But you heard from Yechid. Now, it's really complicated epistemologically to figure out because why did right if he, if he is not the Merubin, he just heard from the Merubin, so his son also heard from the Merubin, just through a two-step process, right? So the epistemology is very hard to figure out. I don't think it's a very useful um, text to right to guide you that way. Um, emotionally, it's a very powerful text. You know, say like the poor son who spent all his life fighting for his father's idiosyncratic positions. And then his father on his deathbed says, oh, never mind. <laughs> and then he says, okay, look, the, my entire life I spent right, being excluded because I held these four positions just like you. Now, he says, you're telling me to be closer. Can you at least write me a letter saying that your, to your friends who, have, right, who, like, who, who admire you but have shunned me for my entire life, let me in? And he says, no, no, you're on your own entirely. <laughs> right, that's, uh, um, now I suppose that way he also, right, you know, he avoids the the um, imputation that he did that he, that he told his son to recant so his son could have power. But it's really again, as an emotional story, it's a really powerful story. As Kolei uh, Hora, it's really really hard to figure out what on earth it meant. Uh, really really hard to figure out what on earth it meant. Uh, one of the things it raises though, and that'll be our segue to, um, to right to pages five and six. Is um, why did he only tell his son to change his mind after he's dead? Right? Why didn't he tell his son all along? Right? You know, I have my shittos, but you shouldn't follow my shittos. You should follow everyone else's shittos. It's only on his deathbed that he tells his son this. So we could uh, say, you know, we could come with it with epistemologically and say, well, while he's alive, the son still has some kind of live connection to the Marubin. and once he's dead, the son no longer has a live connection. I, again, I find it very hard to. Uh, to acknowledge that, a more likely possibility is that he has uh, that there's a relationship to family that creates a sort of identity that lets you that lets you um, right, that, lets, that lets you have that kind of uh, halachic halachic right. And then the interesting question is: so when he tells does he tell his son you have to change your mind, or does he tell his son you ought to change your mind? Because you're the head of the family now, you can change right, you can change your identity. You're not bound by the you're not bound by the past. And that's a generally interesting question in terms of minhagim and you know, and families. Like to what extent are people bound by family minhagim? Some of you know uh, that I paskin like the Zechar Yosef, which was paskined in the I think Zechar Yosef, Zichron Yosef, quoted in the um, in the uh, Pesachit that family minhagim are not binding at all. Can't be 
and it's just that you that most children implicitly take an editor to keep right at the bar mitzvah. But if you if a kid gets up at bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah and says, "I don't keep my family in a darim," okay, we might look at you and quote and quote psukim at you and say that's disrespectful to your elders, but they're not minding because you can't be uh, right. That, which is machloke, but I think that's the right position. Also means that like you know, bali tshuva, um, gerim, you know, have to right, have to bind themselves anew. And it might be that it's very good psychologically and compelling to say, I will keep them in Hagim, right? Because I've determined that my, you know, that, my, that my, the last from person in my family who was, you know, in the in 19th century lived in a particular small island off, off of South America where they ate craft cheese. I don't, <laughs> 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 it's all, all good. Or they refuse to eat craft, whichever, right, whichever way you want to do it, right? But it, it's not, you know, it's a, it's a way of it. It's not really the thing. Okay. So I turn to page five. Uh, right, so I want to, I want to, um, Akavia and his son are talking about issues of Yechid Rabim, which is sort of the the programmatic, uh, the programmatic um, klal hora. So I want to start problematizing it. So if we take a look at um, at page five, so you have an interesting um, interesting story in which uh, there's a machlokus from Gamliel about what bracha to make on uh, on certain on certain things, and. Um, they're they're in they're they're all being mesubim aliyah biyericha. We're on page five five lines down. They view lifneim kosevet veachlu. The Ratzon Ragamliel reshut larikiva varech, and Rabikiva is mavarech like the chachamim. Ragamliel says, "What are you doing?" Now that's an interesting question because Rabikiva got the machnis roshav b'machloket. Either way, right? Why is it why why is it uh, why is it that way? The answer is that it sounds like that. Um, we have to figure out what the word kafatz means, right? As opposed to waiting for instructions, maybe. But in any case, we're going to look at the setup, and he says, Rabbeinu, afu pisha ta'omer kein, v'chevarecha omer kein, limatan rabbeinu yachid v'rabim halacha k'rabim. So the problem with Rabbi Akiva is that he had not read the ritva. If Rabbi Akiva had read the ritva, which he had done, he would know that the rule of yachid v'rabim halacha k'rabim doesn't apply in the presence of the people, making, of the people make, taking the opinions. Right? And then, right, and real, um, and so the, obviously that rule is not quite as glott as the Ritva makes it uh, seem, that there are rules that seem to apply in the presence. Unless, right, this is the whole challenge, whether you're turning things technically or emotionally. Emotionally, it's easy to say that Rabbi Akiva needed a way to explain to Rabbi Gamliel why he paskined against him. And Rabbi Gamliel, as we know from other stories, isn't so always so good about people paskining <laughs> uh, against him. So it could be Rabbi Akiva is giving an answer. That, uh, that right, as to why he has his own opinion extensory problematic. Okay, then we have the Gemara in uh, Gemara in Brachos. You all know that where Gamliel's sons come and ask him. Uh, right, uh, right, the Gemara, Gemara has the interesting notion that children know all their parents' halachic positions. So how could Gamliel's sons not know that Gamliel held until Amud Shachar? And the answer, that what the sons are really asking him is on a Diorisa level. So right. Um, we would we would have to paskin we'd have to paskin like a against you, but under a bottom level maybe not, right? That's one way of, un, of understanding the logic. So they're trying to ask whether the machlokus between Ragamliel the Chacham is Deraiso or Durabanan. And um, other people, you know, okay, but since when does Yachid Varabim suspended by Durabanans? And the answer is again there's something special about family. Uh, there's something right, there's something special about something special about family that seems to Work against um, Yechid Verabim. Okay, let's take a look now to um, at the the last source on uh, page. But yes, is it possible from this story that Rabbi Gamliel didn't 
believe that Yachid Barabim or Halakhak Barabim is an absolute rule, right? That, for example, if the, the Nasi is the Yachid, that that has a special status or... Could be Rabbi Leal held, you know, held that he was unique, that the Nasi was unique, right? Those could also vary it. Rabbi Lam has an amazing uh, pilpul, which he argues that, that in this particular case, Rabbi Gamliel held that the Chachamah's position was illegitimate because uh, right, they were making Xera in a kind of circumstance where he believed the Xeros were illegitimate, and when it's a Machlok, it's about jurisdiction, then Yechid Rabim doesn't apply. Because right, you have to settle the question of jurisdiction first. Uh, right before it's all they're all very very elaborate ways of um, of of uh, reconciling it. And right? I'm not trying to do a, a, a really sophisticated job. I'm just trying to problematize the whole issue. Okay. Um, Gemara and Erevin, um, where uh, right, Rabbah begins by saying to Abaye Michti, Erevin the Rabbanon Mali Yachid Malkim Yachid Mali Yachid Malkim Rabim. Right? Why Erevin is under Rabbanon? So. In the Rabbanans, why do we care whether it's Yachid Rabbim? This whole rule about Yachid Rabbim only applies to Doraisis, right? Which I said was one of the answers by Rabbi Gamaliel and his sons, right? As to what their question is. Which the Gemara says, what? Who says we don't make a difference, right? And it quotes all sorts of, all sorts of cases in which, uh, right, in, which we ma- in which we make a difference. Uh, what matters to me out of this, I two things. One is, and the Gemara introduces, right, uh, different versions of which, um, of Brisa about Rebbe, in which Rebbe Paskins like a Yechid, and then afterwards remembers and says, it's okay because it was a Shas HaTchak. That's a really complicated, right, the notion that there's, right, there's, I think, I think it's a, a cool idea in Halacha, but also a, um, a challenging one. I think in many legal systems there are right and wrong answers. I think the concept of Lechatchila and Bidi Eved, um, as it exists in Halacha, seems, seems to me um, alien to most legal systems. And the law, right, halacha, so you know, I put it in the most extreme fashion, that halacha is um, sort of a, a quantum mechanical system. There are no absolute truths, there are only, right, there are only potentialities, and then you decide in each case, right, um, right, what the, right, how you, how you balance, the, how you balance the potentials. Um, so, you know, as opposed to saying this is the halacha, we say, well, this is probably the halacha, but if you get a, Right, but if you have pressure the other way, so then it's not quite the halacha, right? It's the shasad chak. You can use a shasad chak, and you can set up your percentages if it's thirty percent likely to be true. You can use a shasad chak, and you have many, many factors you can work in this way. Right? I, I, early in the pandemic, I gave a share about about the various meanings of shasad chak in the sugya. But what I'm trying to just build up is a notion of what I hope we'll get to by the end of this by the end of this share is aside from is that even if you as I'm doing this right in this year, if you completely ignore the substance of the issue, you can still have a rich menu of options just by, by playing out the rules. Right, because right? we have so many conflicting rules that we're saying, right, right, right? so many factors, Rabban, Yoraisa, Yachid, Yachid, Rabbim, identity, non-identity, in the moment, not in the moment, not in the moment, that even it, right, that you could construct a really complicated tapestry of machlokot and give yourself a, a broad array of options in every case, even if you know nothing whatsoever about the circumstance. You just ask the question, what rules apply here? Now, there are always going to be people for whom that, right, so it's not like, it's not necessarily that you're simplifying by following rules. It's just a different system where your judgment is applied to choices among rules as opposed to choices on the substance. 
not following me in. No, I'm, I'm just trying to take in what you're saying because I could read parenthetically like that that it almost doesn't matter the substance. You can always find even for the rules what sort of what you want to say on the matter, you know, based on your own personal. So what I try to argue is that the rules are not the rules are not saying that I played by the rules is not necessarily a more constraining system than saying that I make my mind up about the substance. Right? It's a different way of making decisions. You can do it superficially, or you can do it deeply. The more you know, right? I, the truth is that playing by the rules is probably a harder way to make it sophisticated. You have to know a lot more to play by the rules in a sophisticated fashion than you have to know to play by the substance. So, so then is, if you're going to play by the rule, if you're going to focus on the rule yeah. and, not, and not on the substance, and you're going to find yourself in a situation where the analogy is, right, you could say that the way to sell fish is G-H-O-T-I. You know, that you're going to, you know, you're just going to end up, well, you know, G-H makes the F sound, you know. Yeah, right, you know, so then... You're, just, you're, you're going to end up with, with an absurdity, you know, with an absurdity that follows rules, but in the context of the substance where you're, you're talking about... So that is a risk. Absurd, absurd, you know, sucks. That's a risk, right? People, right? people who just follow rules run the risks of developing uh, a halacha that is completely alien to human experience. Or to other, right? So it's, but you're following the rules, you'll be bound by the same issues as opposed to follow, possibly by a substance can also wander off into weirdness if they have idiosyncratic kind of things, right? So you end up, you, you get constrained by the consensus of your peers and whether people are willing to follow you. Um, and I, I think, you know, people... People are good, right? People are good in different ways, um, right? I think people, you know, people have have a sense, right? Some people are much more comfortable interpreting that kind of rules because it just feels um, it feels arrogant, right? It feels like you know the same people who are deeply resistant to Tom Hammett's vote. It feels arrogant to say, "I know what God wants, and I'm going to decide by what, what's right and what's wrong." And obviously, it's going to be like you know, in, in Corbanos, it's much harder, right? You know. Even people, right, who want to make all the, you know, have strong social justice implications in the Chesh Mishpah when it comes to country might just follow rules, because what else are you going to do? Unless you, you know, you, if you're really dedicated to refer, so now you have, so every, every, right, so every carbon has a very clear symbolic system, and you can do it, right, you can do it that way. Uh, you can do it that way as well. Um, I think, I think it's, you know, there are, when I was younger, right, so I, I, I really enjoyed rules. So you read the books, that are, right? There are books, right? Like the Yad Malachi, right? If you've, have you seen the Yad Malachi? Yad Malachi is basically a collection of, uh, right? It's an encyclopedia of rules, um, right? In halacha, and so you learn it, right? So you learn it, right? You know, you, you learn amazing things just by reading, by reading through it. And there, right? there are other there are other kinds of anthologies that like collecting things like this. The Sechemed likes collecting things like this, and you can develop a very sophisticated vision. Um, and it feels safe if you don't like, you know, if you don't, if you don't like. On the other hand, it doesn't, you know, you can't explain halacha so easily right, to people. So let's say the, the, the Revelezer Malamed is a little bit controversial right now. But one of the beauties of his work, and I think the reason that Tanei Halacha catches on so much, is that he explains every aspect of halacha in terms of experiences experience everyone can relate to right the halacha makes sense experientially all the way through every every detail connects to a theme um, right and and that he gets in trouble because he doesn't always follow the rules it's all about common sense yeah well you you call it common sense right? <laughs> right. it's a very subjective thing but 
right? The way we navigate between following rules and going based on the substance is right, uh, a sense that we develop with experience and time about um, what's livable um, and what, what, what's a, a, a position or a psaac that could be followed that still has integrity. And what do those more words mean, of course, is the, what this is all about. Um, but it's a little bit of an art form. Like it, I, I, it's not a formula. I think that's right. I think that's a big part of it. You know, even Rabbi Blythe says that, right? Even though people like to quote Rabbi Blythe as the most formulaic of Puskin, but he says over and over again that it's an art, not a science. I think that's right. Uh, right? So all I'm trying to show is that, that even within the rules, it's an art. Um, and that, you know, that it's an, a very powerful tool. And then the question, as with everything else, is, you know, so you don't, right, use the words play by the rules and, right, and it sounds like a game. You don't want it to be a game. You want, right, you want to be engaged in discovering, right, in discovering Dvar Hashem. So how you do it with a sense of integrity, which can either get easier or harder the better you get at it. Right? It can get easier because you really know what you're talking about and get harder because you know you can get to any result you want. Um, right, so I think those are the, okay, right, so I wanted to put that, I wanted to put, um, to put that out, right? So here you get you get you get um, right. You know, complicated rules. You have the rules of bishas hatchak, and then you have to decide whether bishas hatchak is a um, is an, an analog switch or a digital switch, right? Is it that you can choose slightly less imp- impressive impressive positions as it get moves as it gets more tchaki, or is right there's right no there's there's ordinary there's shas hatchak, right? In my other shabbat about there's super shas hatchak. Uh, right, the Migdar Milsa, right, you, you can start, right, you can set up a more complicated digital switch, which, but that's different than an analog switch. Uh, right, then we also have Halachic Diver Hamekil Ba'avel, right, so, right, so, and Halachic Diver Hamekil Ba'erevin, so we have specific areas of Halacha, where we have biases in particular ways, or uh, I tried to argue, um, and I was glad that uh, Rabbi Hain, who's coming in a few weeks, agreed with me, that maybe the right way to understand Diver Hamekil, but such and such, isn't that there's a rule that you have to follow when you're in a position. It means that you have discretion to construct the halakha that makes sense, more so than in other areas. And if it turns out that the way to make availus make sense is to be machmir, or erevin, so then you can be machmir. It, right, all it means is that, right, is that you're less bound by the mechanical rules in erevin than you are in other, than you are in other areas. So I think that's also right. You know, then we can try. How many other areas do we carve out? Right. So you have, Erev, you have, you have, you have Erevin, But which kind of Erevin? Okay, at least three kinds of Erevin. All right. You have Avel, um, maybe Nida, right? All sorts of issues like that. Okay. Um, turning to uh, to page six. Now we're going to start getting into other ways of complicating the rules. And remember, at the very beginning, we talked about, um, and this is something I think I must keep in mind that there's. Um, there's often confusion between three kinds of rules. Rules for people who have, right, who are in the moment, rules for people who are just looking at the position intellectually, that's one kind of confusion. Um, and we talk about different ways you can talk about whether you're actually a party to the dispute, you identify with the party to the dispute, but the object is actually in front of you. Uh, or what, uh, right, the second confusion, which is gonna become important to us in this year, is between rules that relate directly to reality and rules that relate to a text which may or may not be stand for that reality. Right? So let's say I have a rule, Yachid Rabbi Malachaki Rabbi. But now I have a text, and the text presents a position, one position as Yachid, another position as Rabbi. Is that the same thing? Maybe the text just did it because it already knew the rule, Yachid Rabbi Malachaki Rabbi. Right? But this text itself is Yachid. 
right? Maybe right, right? How do, what, right? Right? So we're right. So it rules about. It could be that it's just the convention of the text and it's not intended to relate to history at all, right? It's just that when a text wants to when a text wants to pass in this way, it calls it Yesho Mrim, and if it wants to pass against it, it says Yesho Mer. All right, so we have to right. So right, and we watched how those rules bleed into each other. So we're going to watch that again, and that's going to get us finally back to uh, back to Belgium to see it. Can I ask a couple of questions sure. about Yachid Barabin? Yeah. So first of all, is it is Yachid Barabin literally Yachid? Or Great question. It's not, you know, how do you, again, it's one of those cases where, is it 50 versus 49 or? Yeah, plurality, major, plurality, majority, or anything more than one is already a plurality. I think that is a, I think that's a fair question. Or in other words, is Yachid Barabin the same thing as Achari Rabin Lhatot? And so... It's, I think it's probably not. Probably, once you get to be a rabim, a rabim against a rabim, so probably at least in in Tanaitic and uh, and um, Talmudic literature, we don't right. It's, that is the rabim rabim. We don't really just count numbers, at, right? In that, so anything in the, more than one is no longer a yachid. Yeah, I think that is right. I think a, minor, a yachid is not is not a minority. A yachid is an individual. Now the problem is no one's an individual. You always have students and things like that. But but so that's why we in a textual rule, right? It's almost always it's almost always that way, right? If you have Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Huda against Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Tarfon and Rabbi Akiva, that's not a, that's not Achir Rabbi Mlatot. In reality, they took votes, so not the same thing. It's often conflated. I think that would probably be the best way to answer. It. So that means though that the question of uh, you know. Forget what his name was, right? Who is putting the harem of the case? Um, right, is a different case than the Beit Shalom Beit Shammai case, right? So the Beit Shalom Beit Shammai case is is two rabbins, even though one was, even though one was larger. Absolutely. Right? You know, is it? Is it possible that in the case of of an actual Yachid Rabin, where we said that, like the original was talking, I think it was Rousseau, right? Was talking about. He was actually talking about the case of, you know, what to do about something to write the Chumrah and there. He said that it doesn't apply to the person making the decision right. himself. Right. Maybe one of the lessons is that it actually, that for Yachid Rabim, it, it applies even to the Yachid himself, that he's not supposed to continue that. Could be. Interesting and I guess finish. I'm thinking of the, you know, the case of Rabbi Gamliel and, and Rabbi Yeshua. But the Ritva is talking about the case only two people, right? He's not talking about He's talking about. He's talking about a conflict with a rule, right? He's saying that the rule applies to others, right? But it doesn't apply. That's right. But he doesn't apply it to Yachid Rabbi Yishua. We don't know. You could make that claim. But he's Dafka talking about the cases where there's two Chachamim. Right? I'm saying it's impossible that for Yachid Rabbi that we could make a claim. Yachid doesn't have the. Yeah, you could make such a claim, right? You know that we can, you know, we bring out all the counterexamples, and you have to develop a, right? You know, uh, Ragnarlil did follow his position; his sons didn't. And there are lots of places where, right? We still have the pla- the, the land where they where they where they where they drank where they ate fish and milk, right? So you have to sing a shindirah and derabanans, right? And it's going to depend on how strongly you held your position, right? Just like it does in the Ritva, right? If you're some Gemaris. I don't. It's a, it's one of the ways in which you can put pressure in one direction on a rule. I think that would be the way I would frame it. Um, okay, so um, right. So now we're, turn, we're looking at page at page six. So the um, 
We start off with the Machlokas in the Mishnah between an anonymous position of Tanakama, uh, Rabbi Huda, and Rabbi Yossi, in which Rabbi Yossi is the lenient position, right? So we have the Mekil, uh, who is the Yachid against the Rabbim who are, who are Machmir. We had a rule about that. You're supposed to follow the Rabbim who are Machmir. Um, nonetheless, they, right, if you follow the underlining, right, so uh, Rabbi Lezer asks Rabbi Asi and says, what happened to the base Medrash? Amar lei hachi amar Rabbi Yochanan, halacha ki Rabbi Yossi. We paskin like Rabbi Yossi. Okay, what's he doing passing like Rabbi Yossi? So the Gemara first says, right, Michal uh, Dichidai, I'm not putting Rashi in the Gemara, Michal Dichidai Tanakama Poligale, right? So it must be that the anonymous first position in the Mishnah is also the position of an individual. Right? And Rashi says, right, Vilav Stamad Rabbimhi, because if the, if the anonymous first position reflected a position of the actual Chachamim, how would Rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan paskin like Rabbi Yossi, who is the Yachid against the Rabbi? So the Gemara answer is in. Vihatanya, Rashi says, Benichusa, right? This is one of the places, right? Normally, right? Viha is incredulity and um, di is, uh, right? Di is support in the Gemara, but there, that apparently was not the case originally, and there, there's some vihas that weren't changed, right? So this is one of the Vihatanyas. There are Benichusa, it's a Raya, not a Kushia. Um, and it quotes the same mish- position, but it says, Dibir Rabbi Meir. Okay, so it turns out that the Stam Mishnah is only Rabbi Meir, and therefore Rabbi Yochanan Paskin like Rabbi Yossi against Rabbi Meir. That's a great solution to the problem of Yachid Rabbim in the abstract, but it radically undermines the notion of Yachid Rabbim in the Mishnah. Because if you think that Stam ordinarily means Rabbim, and now you're going to claim, oh, but if you have, right, but here, here it didn't. How do we know about all the other cases? All right, so here's where, where the confusion or the conflation of a literary rule and actual rule causes, right, causes grave difficulties. It turns out Rabbi Yossi is very special, right? As we go on, as we go on, we go on in the Sugya, right? So we say, Rabbi Yochanan changed his mind. So Rabbi Yosef says he changed his mind because he has another Mishnah, which says, Shemati mi chachamim. So he didn't change his mind based on this Stam Mishnah. He changed his mind because, sorry, because there's a Brita, and the Brita said there's a Rabbim against Rabbi Yossi. Right? Shemati, but right, Amar Rabbi Yochanan Baruch, Shemati mi chachamim mi karem Okay? So, right, so it turns out that right, this is going to be a fundamental thing, right, that we're destabilizing the Mishnah as a source of authority. Because the Mishnah presents something that we think there's a rule is a Rabbim, but it's really not. And then we have a Brita that just that, right, that just disagrees with the Mishnah, um, right? Perhaps right, and said, or or support right, or undoes it right, whichever whichever way, whichever you want, uh, whichever way you want to do it. Okay, um, right. So then Rabbi Yirmiya comes along and says, Rabbi Zreika, did Rabbi Yochanan really say halachic Rabbi Yosef? Problem because the Brita just comes along and clarifies that the Stam Mishnah was a Rabbi and not a Yachid. Good, but without the bright, uh, would we have been able to pass him like the Mishnah? No, right. The Mishnah would have been right. Right. So now, right. So now we have we have two brightsas dueling about the Mishnah. So the Mishnah has been right. So the Mishnah isn't self-interpreting. An anonymous text of the Mishnah could be a rabim, could be a chid. When we look at the Mishnah, what are we? Maybe we have a default. <coughs> we have a default that the Mishnah, right, the Stam Mishnah, represents a rabim. Okay. That's a reasonable position. Okay, but it gets complicated. Okay, so Amar Le Rabbi Yirmiyah Le Rabbi Zreka, we're in the middle of page six. 
He asked me a contradiction. Okay, so this is asking the question in terms of Rabbi Yochanan himself. We don't know why he said right? We, if he said it because the Mishnah is a Rabbim, then great, but he could also say it because he always passes like Rabbi Meir. For all we know, and he thinks the Stam Mishnah is Rabbi Meir. But Rabbi Yochanan has a rule. It's called Halachic Stam Mishnah. And this halacha in our in in our in in our um, in, in, in our Mishnah, Rabbi Yossi is against the Stam Mishnah, right? So Rabbi Yirmiyah says to Rabbi uh, right? So Rabbi Yirmiyah says that the Rebbe asked me this question: How could you? How could anyone think that Rabbi Yochanan ever passing like Rabbi Yossi? It's against the Stam Mishnah. Yeah, pardon? The Stam Mishnah is the Reisha. Mm-hmm. Okay. The person who asked you this this contradiction didn't really know his stuff. Okay, so now right, so now we have this really complicated system. Right, it's not just the halachas like a stam mishnah. The halachas like some stam mishnas, but not others. But it, we're not going to go externally. We're, we have we have an internal categorizations for how to get halacha out of the mishnah. Okay, now what constitutes a stam v'acharkach machloket? So our mishnah. Is the simplest form, right? It was just the question of a Tanakama and somebody who follows after them. So we can just say when the Tanakama, right? So we can just say means if the Tanakama position is presented right, as an anonymously, that means nothing as long as there's a machloket afterwards. But if it's machlokes stam, meaning that you say vachachamim omer at the end, which is the way Mishnah, right? Those are two very common patterns of Mishnaya, right? Either what we call a Tanakama or a chachamim. So then we have clear rules. The problem is that Rashi says, So in order to interpret a Mishnah, it's not enough to have right, a single te- consistent text in front of you. You have to have the whole Mishnah in front of you. At least the whole Seder. Alright, we say, right, so um, right, so by the way, we don't know whether that means halacha is never like the stam, or the halacha is not always like the stam. And does it really mean just the Mishnah, or including all the brides? Fair question, right? We don't seem in the Gemara. There are two things about the Gemara. One is the Gemara doesn't really care about the difference between the Mishnah and Brayta, right? That's one of the dark secrets that in Talmudic analysis there is. The, the only time we really distinguish between a mission and a brayta is everyone is there a, a whole series of places where somebody says, "Hey, why do you why do you bring the raya or ask the kasha from that brayta? You could have brought it from the mishnah." But if you ask for patterns of who we paskin like, we don't necessarily. But it, there's a conflict between a mission and a brayta, as you just saw. We don't necessarily paskin like the mishnah. Um, and secondly, it doesn't seem as if we apply the rules of psak to braytot. Right, the literary rules. It doesn't seem like we apply them to Brayta. Uh, why that is, is is a good question, but it doesn't seem like we do. Like we see, like we treat the Mishnah as uniquely formulated to produce law. Now, just background. You know, there's an academic fight whether the Mishnah is intended to produce law or not. It's called the Epstein Albeck debate. Um, as to what, right, and uh, I had it. You know, you know, have the Alpha had the same fight with Professor Olivni. Uh, Professor Livni takes the position the Mishnah is intended to produce law. 
and that it's a very, very rigorously encoded system of law, and that you know, and there are ways which are designed to set up this is halacha absolutely, and this is the halacha only b'shas etchak, and this is the halacha only b'shas super etchak. And so I wrote a paper for him in which I just tried to categorize how many different levels of halacha, right? How many stages on the digital switch there would have to be, just in Masechet Rosh Hashanah, in order to right, in, in order to for this to be true. And I think it was seventeen. So okay, he was fine with that. I said what? <laughs> A system that produces seventeen different levels of law is just too complicated for uh, right. But yeah, but he he wasn't bothered at all. So right, so you can have your uh, right, have your own decision as to you know even on the academic level which way it goes. Again, I only did one to seven. Um, okay. So clearly, you needed to do a whole seder. Plainly, I need to do a whole seder at a minimum. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Um, okay, right. So. Uh, right, so it matters, of course, because if it's Rabbi Yochanan or not. And there we said, right, whether it's in the same city or not in the same city, and presumably the same principle applies to Stam Machloket, which we'll see. Um, right there, right, Halachi Kistam. Stam Machloket, like our Mishnah, ain't Halachi Kistam. Okay, right, and then, right, we have. Uh, we have a um, a list of rules which apply to both Mishnayos and Brisos. Rabbi Avo, Rabbi Nachum, the Shamish of Rabbi Avo, collects from him. Machlokes v'archach stam, okay, alachikis stam. Stam v'archach machlokes, in alachikis stam. Stam be b'mishnah, machlokes b'brisa, my. Okay, right. So he thinks alachikis stam, machlokes b'mishnah, stam be brisa. Amrle, he says, if Rabbi didn't, uh, who organized the Mishnah, didn't, didn't, didn't say that this was a stam. Rabbi, right, why should a bright to have authority? And that I think in the end is the question we right is maybe the bright is written the same way as the Mishnah, but we just don't care. Um, right, we just right we make our own minds up about it. But isn't oh. the implication of this this whole thing that they're at least according to to these opinions that the Mishnah does have a structure mentioned for Yep. Yeah, Rabbi Yochanan clearly held that the Mishnah has a structure. Um, right, and that you right, and that you're supposed to interpret the Mishnah as a right as a fairly rigorously formal right, uh, legal legal text, but then we, whoops, then we right then we, notifications I guess, but then we discovered that you know that even Rabbi Yochanan it seems according to the Gemara is willing to undo his rules if he has evidence that this is not really a Stam Mishnah. Uh, and we're going to see that the, right, we're going to see that it's going to get more complicated yet. Okay, right, so we're at the bottom of, pa- of, uh, of um, page six still, right? Um, right, so then we say, right, so somebody says, how could you, all right, how could you say that Rabbi Yochan really holds halachic Islam Mishnah? Amr Lev Hatnan, we quote another Mishnah, and we say, Mishnah. So we say, Amr Lev Hahi, that was an exception. And we have two reasons for it being an exception. One reason it's an exception is, they just threw it out of the canon. What the rules were for throwing out of the canon, we don't know, right? So now, right? So what we have is really then is a reconstructive rule, right? We're trying to, right? We're not really poskening. We're poskening like Rabbi Yochanan, because Rabbi Yochanan wasn't utterly bound by his own rules. He was willing to throw a Mishnah out, but we're bound by the right. Any Mishnah Rabbi Yochanan didn't throw out is right. Must be subject to his rule halachikistan Mishnah, unless we can find a pattern, of course, that makes this Mishnah more like that one, right? And the other people say no. Right, that's not why And the other is, right, we can always undo it and claim 
that it really presents a Shit Hasyachid. Now, the idea of undoing it and claiming it presents a Shit Hasyachid is not an obsolete one, right? That's what we call pilpul. Right? Pilpul right, lines up positions, right? So you have an autumn position here, and all you have to really say is, oh, look, here's this Dom Mishnah, but that Dom Mishnah is really taking sides in that Machloket over there. Now it's right, now it's not a Stam Mishnah anymore. Or maybe it's now it's a Machlokas Vachar Kachstam. Right? So don't, right, don't think of these as dead things when we say Zudir Rabbi Shimon. That's, that just means that we have a text that proves, that proves it. But you can have an argument that proves it just as well. And then you cannot possibly like the Stam Mishnah because you've identified it as, the, right, as an individual. And once you've identified it as an individual, so this is the tension. If Halachik Stam Mishnah really means we paskin like Rebbe, and Rebbe literarily said the halacha is this way. So why would it matter if we discover after it's Rabbi Shimon or Rabbi Meir? So the fact that we say, no, we can undo, or at least Rabbi Yochanan can undo it because he discovered it's Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Meir, means that we're not giving it the authority of Rebbe. And that's going to be like a deep tension all the way through, right? Because if the rules are literary rules. They should be, right, they're just, right, so then Rebbe can manipulate them unless you think there are things Rebbe can't do. Right, now we get into the question of how the mission is structured, right? How, how much editorial authority was there over the Mishnah? But it doesn't sound like there's an absolute rule that we pass in like Rebbe. Um, not alone when he, when he mentions himself by name. Okay, so that turns, brings us to page, uh, right, to page 7. Um, okay, so on page, uh, on page 7, so we have a Mishnah. The Mishnah says, Echad abein vechad abat ben All of you know that that's not true. Right, we do. right. So that Mishnah creates the same degree of puzzlement in the Amarayim as it does among you. So there's a whole discussion about what that really means. In the end, Ravashi says, "Hachik Amar Echad Echad Ben Ben Habanim VeEchad Bat Ben Habanot Imamar Yirash Kol Nechosai Tvarav Kayamin." If you have, right, if if you try to give all your assets to one son among all your sons, or one daughter, if all you have is daughters. So, right, so that's what the Mishnah means, is that you're entitled to disinherit the other children. Bad idea, but you're entitled. Okay. Uh, right, we've, not interpreted, we've, interpreted, we've now interpreted the Mishnah to mean that. So the Gemara says, Kiman, ben He is following, right, he's, right, sort of Ashi is understanding the first line of the Mishnah as being in accordance with the position of Yochanan ben, uh, ben Baroka. The problem, right, which is the Mishnah later in the Perak, Rabbi Yochanan ben Broka is presented as the Machloket on Astam. Right, because later in the Perak we have right now the Gemara doesn't quote the Astam that precedes Rabbi Yochanan ben Broka, but you could figure it out because it says Rabbi Yochanan ben Broka Omer, right? So you know the usual code um, in uh, in Tanitic sources is that if it says and an Amoraic source is also right. If it says Amar Rabbi X, that's a comment or a new statement. If it says X Omer, that means it's a Machloket. Not always, like Beishami Hill doesn't really work because you can open a statement saying Beishami Omer. But um, that's the general rule. So here, right, so you want, we, the Gemara quotes the Rabbi Yochanan Broka, but the point is Rabbi Yochanan Broka is a right, is a yachid against the stam in a case of machlokas ve'acharkach stam and machlokas ve'acharkach stam. Um, you're supposed to sorry stam ve'acharkach stam ve'acharkach machlokas and stam ve'acharkach machlokas. What's halacha supposed to be? What did we learn last time? Uh, pardon. Ain halachikistam, right? Thank you, right? So Ravashi is violating the rules of violating the rules of psak. Um, okay, um, but the, it's well, not clear. Just that in halachikistam, we said might mean 
It doesn't have to be. Oh, good, right? So, right, so now we have, right, so we can weaken the rule and thereby save it. Um, and it's not, we could also say, right, which people do, that Ravashi isn't really paskining, he's just explaining the lines of Mishnah. Oh, right? So all he, all he said is the Mishnah is, say, this line of the Mishnah should be understood as following Rabbi Yochanan Baruch Hu, that he's paskining like it. Um, okay, the Gemara says, but the Gemara at this point has a problem, right? Also, they think it doesn't work literally. Okay, so we're left with this puzzle, um, right, where Rabashi seems to, simple reading seems to paskin against Rabbi Yochanan's rule. So Rashbam says about this, Sorry, where are you? I'm in the Rashbam. Okay. Right, so Rashbam on, on page 7. Yeah, yeah. Right. right? These are our two attacks on Rabbi, on Rabbi Rav Ashi's interpretation of the Mishnah. One is, right, it sounds like you're saying that we paskin like your laws have been broken and we shouldn't by Rabbi Yochanan's rules. And the other is, it's not really a good shot. So Rashbam says, um, even if you were to say, there are lots of cases of stam I have no idea what the word gemara is doing here. This is like really hard to, really hard to figure out what on earth Rashbam is saying. Yes, what do you think, Marty? Uh, no, I was thinking, uh, Mitch and Sam and I are actually in Baba Kam, in Baba Basra. Yeah. So actually, we're in Club Club Aleph Amid Bet right now. But so I'm just thinking our perception of Rush Bomb throughout is that it's also like, you know, what is he saying? Either he's either repeating himself a lot or else he's saying things that are just hard to. Rush Bomb Baba Basra, you know, is, is, uh, has a hard standard to live up to. Rashi had all the other Masechta. And it doesn't. You know, it's not a not a shameful thing not to live up to the standards set by Russia. Um, and then we have the question whether our text is right. You know, lots in lots of Rishonim when who we think are really hard, it turns out that what was what is hard is you know, when you find a better manuscript. It turns out what was hard is the manuscript and not the uh, right, and not the text. But I don't know what Rishbam is. I don't really know what Rishbam is saying here. I know that he has this line in there, Umishna Rishonim in Koma. So that line, I think I know what it means. That there are times when there's stuff, stuff that's in the Mishnah, but really, it's just there as a survival of the first edition, because for whatever reason they couldn't take things out. So, so how can you derive any meaning from literary if you can just arbitrarily say that's the Mishnah Rishonim? Yeah, right. So this like this, this like messes up lots of rules. However, right. However, however, you know, there's there's another way of saying you could say the word Gemara. What it means is that Ravashi, you know, interpret all he did was interpret the Mishnah when he got to it. And then later, as he got later in the paragraph, he discovered, oh my goodness, this Mishnah I interpreted is not halacha. But he didn't know that when he interpreted the Mishnah the first time. So but you think at some point, uh, some later editor would go along and say, you know, and Ravashi really didn't know the rest of the paragraph. It's a really wild thing Rishbam is saying. It's a really wild thing Rishbam is saying. But there isn't really a way of evading it, um, right? That, you know, that it sounds like what he's saying is somebody, whether Ravashi or the editor of the Mishnah, Talandastam put it in, then couldn't take it out anymore when they discovered there was a machloket, and therefore this is not the usual case of stam v'acharkach machloket. Very odd. 
Tosfus doesn't make things so much better. Tosfus says, Tema, Nahi nami de lochashiv stam gomor, Mikol maka mahani hadachashiv kirabim. Right, maybe what this does is, right, this is, we, we, you know, this is our, our Tosfus tribute to Aryeh. Maybe we say Stam, it just means halacha is not always like the Stam, but the Stam is still a Rabim, and so you're allowed to Paschal like the Stam, because it's not like we're not turning the Stam into a Yachid. We're making Rabim Rabim, which is discretionary. Um, okay, right, so that's a possible way out. To which the Tosa's last answer is, But maybe Astam Vacharkach Machlokas has even less power when the machlokus is further away. Then it's not a rabbim. Why? I don't know. Why? So he says, Because if they're close together, so then that's really cheating to claim that Rebbe forgot about it. But if they're a second away, then it could be that Rebbe forgot about it. So at this point, you did this point is entirely right. Like we, we, blow up whole, we blow up the whole system. Right, right, you know, now we're going to start, like, going to start doing, like, you know, discovery seminar stuff. Like, how many, exactly how many words is this cloaked away from the stam? So we go, hey, Barak, right, we're going to have a diminishing, diminishing sources of, uh, of authority. Uh, okay, now let's, let's, let's be fair, right? You know, I, I can do this and I can make it look really, really weak. Uh, you can do this any system, right, right, you know, which isn't precise. You can take out all the, you can take out all the places where it has gray areas and fudges, and you right, and say and say that right this is really not right this is really not it's not fair you can make this rigorous they're going to have to be fudge lots of fudges um, and I'm just pointing out that it's a choice and that if you're right and that if you're good right this creates wiggle room which is a good thing perhaps right, that you're not absolutely bound by rules because as Rabbi Chesa said we want people to be able to adjust halacha to experience right but it can set up fairly strong defaults. Um, Okay, um, right. That's right. That, that's Tosfos. Right. They give a Gemara Nida where there's a Mishnah, and the Gemara says, "Hang on a sec. How could that be? How could that? How could that, right, that Mishnah is Beit Shammai? The Sasam Lantana Beit Shammai? Right? Could we really? Right? Could we really have a Stam Mishnah like Beit Shammai? The answer is, yeah, we can because the Stam Vacharkach Machlokus. So it's fine. But we just said according to Tosfos that the Stam Vacharkach Machlokus, the Stam is still considered like a Rabbi. You're allowed to pass him that way. Whereas the whole point is the Beit Shammai Malkin Beit Silosena Mishnah. Right, so right, so if we're setting up, if we're playing Professor Halivni's rule, this is really this is really not good. And then we say, oh, by the way, also maybe we're just wrong. Maybe the Mishnah is not Beit Shammai, which points out so you can, right. So the rules right are often subject to prior substantive determinations. In order to determine, right, it's not like it's obvious this is a stam and that's a machloket. They could be unrelated. We can say, right, well, you know, if it were a stam, and then if this were a stam, then the would be that way, but we know the halacha is in that way, so it must be that we're misinterpreting it. And they're not actually related, right? Then the causal chain can go in both directions. Okay. Um, fine, right, then we have on page eight just um, all that matters to us. Pardon? All that matters to us right now is we have, you know, we have another confounding rule. The other confounding rule is Rabiosi. Rabiosi nimuko imo. Rabbi Yossi Imo seems to win even in case of Yachid Verabim, or maybe it's only Havmina that it's Yachid Verabim. And at one point, the um, at one point the uh, right the um, right the Gemara ends up and throws up his hands and says right the famous line right Put Chazimayim Adavar the halachas whichever way people decided. 
Okay, good. So now we have we're going to live in our promise because um, right. So that that's that's all the uh, right. Then there's the possibility of cheating, which is the worst possible thing. We're on page nine now, so I just take a look at the take a look on the Gemara at the top of page nine. So Rabbi and Rav Yosef are walking on the way. Rabbi says to Rav Yosef, "Let's do this," and um, and right the other person and the other person says, "I don't know. Is that okay?" And he says, "Smoke a lie. You can rely on me because Rabbi Yossi said it." But then the Gemara says, "Velohi." But it's not Rabbi Yossi didn't really say it. Lotana Rabbi He only said it was Rabbi Yossi because that way he would, he would buy into it. So okay, right? You know what? At that point, right? You know, what do you do with any story? Uh, pardon? It seems like there's a lot of that. So yeah, we don't know. Right? You know that 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 undermines a lot. That undermines a lot. Okay. What's the name Rabiosi Nimuko Imo? You know, nobody really knows what Rabiosi Nimuko Imo means. It can't mean he's the sharpest of them all because that's from Mayer. Uh, it can't mean that he's like you know he's simple or clean because that's from Elizabeth Yaakov who's you know Kav Benaki. Uh, right. In some places, Rashi tried to say like he always has evidence. It's very hard to know, right? You know, I would just treat it as like it's, you know, it's on the list of rabbinic superpowers, and I gave you the, the Bryson, which I read. He has, he has a particular superpower, which some people seem to think means you should pass in like him more often. That's about all I can say. And you know, like when you talk about people in the same way, you know, in the way you made trees to talk about people who knew everything, but the sets of everything, you know, that they were, it means that they knew, that, you know, that there were, there were multiple infinities, and that the, everything didn't overlap. Uh, right, so there are people who have different skills, you know, and you can say, like, you know, there's some people, and for different abilities, some people just, you know, you say, like, you know everything, and that's why you postulate like them, because they know everything, and other people are just so clear-headed, you postulate like them, and other people are just so sharp, right, now, you know, what happens when the sharpness and the, and, right, and the, and the knows everything, and the simple, and the simple clarity conflict, who knows, but you understand, like, there, yeah, everyone, Everyone has people like that in their in the, right in their profession, where you say like you know that person has. You have to give me a reason to go against him, even if, even if there's a consensus against him. You have to give me a reason to go against him because he could not. Right, you know the, what they're saying about it doesn't make sense. Right, he must have made sense, so they must not have understood something. That, I think that's the way you would frame it. Okay, so let's bring this to uh, source source number nine, which is us. Okay. So Yosef Rav Yosef Achorid Rabbi Abba Kamid Rav Huna VeYosef Rav Huna VeKamar Halacha Kirabi Shul Ben Karcha VeHalacha Kirabi Yehuda. Rav Yosef turns his head around and he says, "I understand Rav Yosef." Or he turns him around, right? Turns, turns him around to his face and says, "Rav Yosef Ben Karcha, I understand why you had to say that because Rav Shul Ben Karcha, I might have, was a yachid against the rabbim, and I might have thought the halacha was like the rabbim, but it's not. The halacha is against the yachid, and we go through a whole discussion about that. But it's just good to know, right? That sometimes we paskin like the yachid." And all Yachid Rabim is is a default. And I would have thought that halacha, right? Okay, then we get to us. Ela halachik Rabbi Yehuda Lamali. Machlokes v'acharkach stamhi, the machlokes v'acharkach stam halacha kistam. Why did you have to tell me halachik Rabbi Yehuda? There's a rule that would let me get to the same result. Um, okay, so we can talk about it. So, like you know, the exist right here's what, like people, the person giving the counter shear to mine. Let's say, look, here you have an absolute proof. The Gemara says it's unnecessary to say certain things because you could just follow the rule. If you're right, Rabbi Clapper, that you can't always just follow the rule, you always have to decide, 
right? So how could the Gemara have this, right? Fair question. On the other hand, the Gemara says we paskin like the achid, right? So it can't, right? So the, you can see for yourself right there, right? That right, right in that question is the tension of this year. You read that sugya saying obviously the rules are very strong to the point you can even ask a pshita question, or do you read the fact that in the end, right? We can always explain why we're right. Why we're right? We had to say it because you might paskin against the rule means that paskin against the rule is perfectly legitimate. Okay. So he says, there's a machlokas of Harkachstam. What's the machlokas of Harkachstam? So there's a machlokas in Bavakama. In Bavakama, we have a case. You give somebody, right, you give some, a poel or an uman something, you give him a skin of wool to dye it red, and he dyes it black. Black, and he dyes it red. So Remeir says that, um, you pick, that um, I think the uman, pays him the worth of the wool, and then he keeps the wool ready. If he pays for the raw materials, then he keeps the result. Uh, Rabbi Huda uh, says that it depends, right, if the, right, whether he, right, the, um, you, pay the, you pay the worker the lesser of, right, of the gain and the expense. So he, right, so that's, right, that's the ba- basic rule, right? He didn't do what you asked him to do, so if it, it ended up that he, right, that he created a great deal of value in the of value for very little, so then you give him what he right what he put in, and if it turns out that he spends a lot and created very little, then you give him very little, right? Because because right, you're not bound by the deal, right? Because didn't right, didn't right so right right you give him whatever he right. So if the shavach is greater, you give him the yisiyah. If the yisiyah is greater, you give him the shavach. Okay, that's a machloket. So the line, right, so the stam is in Bav Messiah, and the stam says Kol Tachtona, which is the position of Rabbi Huda. Right, we have Machlokas with Meir and Rabbi Huda in Bavakama, which Rabbi Meir says that the worker can benefit, even if the person giving the materials, right, uh, would rather have the right keep the keep the wool and pay him right, and pay him the deal. He can say, no, I'm paying you for the wool, and I get to keep it. Whereas Rabbi Yudha said, no, right, he, right, the worker always gets, the, always gets less. So that's, um, right, so that is a machloket v'akrakachstam. So the Gemara says, okay, um, so why did, right, so why did Rav Huna have to say halachik Rabbi Yudha? We could just figure that out from the rule machlokas v'akrakachstam. So Rav Huna, Yisrich, amina ein seder lemishnah ustam v'akrakach machloketi. That's a wild line. Rav Yehuda basically said, what do you mean? There's no order in the Mishnah, so there's no difference between a stam v'charkach machloket and machloket v'charkach stam. Right? That's right. That just blows up the whole rule. <laughs> okay, so we say, Rav Yossi, Ihachi, kol machloket v'charkach stam, and they may say to the Mishnah, stam v'charkach machloket Right? That just blew up the whole rule. Right? If that's, right, if that, right, if that, right? So that can't really be what Rav Huna said. That can't really be Rav Huna's motive. So, okay, so Rav Huna, what's he going to say? Ah, Right, so no, the, when you say it's only in one Mesechet, but in two Mesechet, we, um, we do say So I'm going to preserve Rabbi Yochanan's rule, but I won't, it won't apply here because here one is in Bav, one is in Bav Mekama and one is in Bav Metziah. Okay, now there's a machloket amaraim, but whether the rule of machlokas v'achar kachstam was any seder in the Mishnah goes beyond one masechet. Okay, so Rav has a really good answer, right? So what do you, right? So what is um, Rav Yosef going to do? Rav Yosef is going to say, I agree with you. Ella 
Kula Nazikin Chada Masechtahi. But, right, but you, right, but, but actually, Bavakamba Metzia Bavabasra is one Masechta. So it turns out that everyone agrees that this, it seems from here, that the rule of Astam Acharach Machloga Beholgazacharstam only applies in the same Masechet. As the mission is only ordered within one Masechet, that's going to play havoc with all the cases we've seen where the rules are, where it's not in the same Masechet, but okay. Right. For our purposes, this sugya comes to a satisfying conclusion. But then the Gemara says, uh, it says, We're going to say, no, actually, this is not a standard case of Machloka Vachar Kachstam at all. What really matters is whether the whether whether the Mishnah is framed as a detailed rule, or as an absolute, or as or as a gen, or as this broad generalization. That's one way of saying it. Or whether it's in the context of the topic we're talking about, or whether it's just fra- you know thrown in as an assumption somewhere else. It's not at all clear what it means, right? Uh, right um, when we say the Katani la gabei hilchasapsikta. Right, whether it's the formulation called Meshanei Dolotachtona, or it's the location. So that blows up the rule further, right? Because now we have counter rules. We can consider literary context, which is a much more subjective thing. We can consider formulation, which is a much more subjective thing. Then we could also, uh, right, we could, we could also, right, so Rashi says, right, Mishum, that, that means, uh, Mishum, right, an astonishing line. Rashi says, um, so this is ridiculous, right? On purpose. How do we know that this is a, a, an important stam which does not follow the rule because this is a rule there's no machloket about. What? The whole point is we're trying to solve the problem of Right, so I, you know, this this is utterly baffling to me. Uh, how you can how you can do it? Okay, this is aside from the secondary question, which is, do we really think this machloket and stam are related? Because maybe one of them is talking about an uman and one a kabbalah and one is talking about a pole. Okay, so I wanted to do right, this. The purpose of this whole introduction is that we're about to go back to this sugya about kol mashanidol tachtona. And right, and and we're gonna. Tr- and our goal is to get to a point to see right. What are we going to paskin like? And what I want to show you is that there are people who are going to argue that this is an easy one, right? Because it's a machlokas v'acharkachstam. So obviously we're going to paskin that way. So I want to train you to be highly suspicious of any such claims that the halacha is determined that way. You can choose to determine the halacha that way. And we're going to try and set it up so that we have many, many options as to what the halacha could be just based on the sugyot. And then we'll then we'll take a look at the at the post game and things like that and see right how how right how they chose and how they and how they limit our options or whether the ambiguities continue to that stage. All right, thank you very much for sticking with me.